0: Morning. Uh, This is Sunday, the 5th of March and the beginning of the month for us. We're going to have I believe, three or four meetings weekly this week or this month. And uh, I wanted to talk about the announcement that I send out for the month to everyone who's going to be listening and participating in the discussion. So the audience can also partake in that now. And it's not something We've done regularly, but something I think might help to create a context for what we're talking about and give the group a little bit of a context for what it speaks about and narrow it down a little bit, if that's possible, when we're dealing with the topic that we're dealing with. But since it's the third month, we're going to go with the third step and talk about decisions. And a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand God is a decision And decisions aligned with what is actually happening confirm the useful purpose of thought. The application of it alone gives us a sense of connection because we're interacting with what's happening rather than what we're just thinking is happening. To believe in what is not happening is all that is happening, is to think that thinking about thinking creates reality and truth. Just as immediately as we think, we become only what we think. So, it all stems from this idea that our thoughts are true because they serve themselves and the thinking they do. The self they serve is thought, not us, not me, not you. It's just a thought. Thoughts thinking of themselves create thoughts, not reality, truth, or ourself, only more thinking about what, who, where, when, and why we think we are, only what we think. Those are all questions born in doubt, looking for answers that can't be answered as long as we make believe the self we think we are is actually something that it isn't. Emotional sobriety is about sanity. And we cannot be sane if we're trying to fix a self that doesn't exist other than the thought we're doing. If we're inaccurate about it, we're basically promoting a lie. We're promoting a posture. We're promoting an imposition of an imposter. What is born of thought is born by thought meaning that the effects we create affect the thoughts and every bodily system our brain controls since our thoughts come from our brain. So it undermines all of our bodily systems designed to help us thrive and survive. What is manifest in thought can feel real just as the imagery of a movie or a dream can capture our imagination or emotions or reactions. What we create in thought cannot condemn us Yet it seems to, once we think what we imagine has a life of its own. Delusions are illusions thought to be real. Again, going back to this idea that reality is the source of thought or sourced in thought rather than thought is sourced in reality. We got it backwards. Thoughts create imagery attached to narratives like theater is dramatic and comedic. Not always that funny. When we think what's happening is happening to us rather than being created by us. To imagine thoughts think up reality is to think reality is in short supply and in need of anything or something, like more incessant thought. Taking ourselves too seriously is imagining thought thinking of itself is ourself. The seriousness of that mistaken thought has been devastated, devastating throughout humanity, throughout our human history clearly showing us that something is wrong. Thinking any problem is the effect or a symptom or a feeling is how addictive tendencies are developed. Focusing on effects ignores the cause. Fixating on thought to repair what is intent on breaking is brokenness. I think I said that wrong. Fixated on thought to repair what it is intent on breaking is brokenness. So if we in the cause are breaking from reality by imagining what we're thinking is true, we are causing an effect that is intent on brokenness. And to try to fix that while we're continuing to maintain it is just an insane idea because it's going to go on as long as we make believe there's something there to actually fix. It's delusion. The mental obsession is not a mystery. What could possibly go wrong when applying blind faith attempts to feel better, get over, deny, defy, and defend what's wrong? Largely, what we've come to learn is how to try to feel better about what's wrong. And so we're on this constant tightrope, hoping we don't fall off by just maintaining balance all the time and largely feeling out of balance like any trapeze artist feels when he's on that rope or or what do they call them uh, tightrope walkers the nature of addiction is to think what we choose to think is not the cause of the problem and part of that choice is to think what we're choosing is reality and truth so there's no other choice and so we continue and we continue and we continue and we continue trying to solve the reflex the effects means enough is never enough. It can't be enough because we're trying to solve the effect rather than the actual problem. We're focused on not the problem. We're focused on the effect of the problem, thinking that's the cure. It's got it backward, just like we have our thoughts backward by thinking they're the creator of reality than being created by reality. When enough is never enough, it indicates addiction is a thought that the solution is the problem, that we got it backwards. Managing something out of control, since there is actually nothing to control, because this is all done in imagination, is a problem of imagination, not reality. The more this is tried, the more failure will confirm it. So the confirmation of failure is actually an accurate assessment of what we are doing or trying to accomplish. It's not going to happen. So we try and we try and we try and we try and we try again and then we complain that we can't seem to stop it while we're unwilling to admit we're starting. It. To think we need to stop what we're doing while we're doing what we're doing is to think what is happening is not happening simultaneously. While this may be possible in absolute terms, I don't. I don't know, it may be possible to do this somewhere in the realm of the universe or beyond, In human functional capacity, it's crippling by the immediacy of all possibility being turned into the consuming nature of chronic conflict and instability in mental, emotional, and physical states. Obsessive thoughts are bent on trying to accomplish what cannot be done, just as any lie only exists as long as thinking considers it will or even can come true. If we did not know better, this line of dysfunctional thought would not create an experience of doubt and uncertainty. Not surprisingly, insanity cannot be cured by the chronic perpetuation of insanity. Sobriety is sanity. Emotional sobriety is sane living. There is nothing sane about defending the life of a bundle of thoughts we think are real and true, and thus all we are. Trying to think better about ego is simply trying to feel better about what we imagine. Any problem with ego disappears once we concede it is imagined, once we start looking at it accurately and honestly and begin to say, oh, I'm just doing this in my thought. I am making a decision to engage with this thought as though it's true and real. So here I'm deciding to turn my will, my self-will, into a life it doesn't have. Which I would say would counter the idea of making a decision to turn my entire life and my will over the care of an absolute power, an infinite power. Once we see it's imagined, there's no conflict in that. We can imagine all we want. We can come up with all the personalities we want. We become creative and innovative, which is part of our design. We're designed to be creative. We were created, we were designed to create. So to create the mess we've created, Is part of what is possible for us to do. We can always change our thoughts, especially since they are always changing. Foolish, baseless thoughts rush in where angels fear to tread. It's an old quote. Obviously, when we're thinking our supposed self can be saved from the effect of lying, It's to presume that a a lie exists, that it has a basis, when in fact a lie only exists as long as it claims to be the opposite of what it is and what it can ever be, which is true. This self-centered in-thought tries to hide the essence of its fear that it's based in for the fear of being found out. It's a constant anxiety that we are living with, trying to avoid someone probing enough to start to see that all we're projecting, all we're promoting is idea, our ideas about an appearance of who we think we are. Angels, whether it be metaphoric or actual spiritual, actual the, the actual spiritual nature of being, do not tread into fantasy as reality since reality has no scarcity as it is all that is. They're already in the essence of all that is. And I would suggest we are too. We're just not thinking that. We're just not acting that way. And as a result, we're not feeling that way. The folly of this thinking makes fools of us all when all we think we are is what we think, period. It's a decision we're making. And it's as simple as recognizing that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying do it and notice it. And when you notice it and start to see what the consequences are and how long you've been living with them, you will start realizing you have absolutely no obligation to continue. None. Zip. Zero. Never did. It was all an illusion, all a delusion, all a sickness of dis-ease. The lack of ease, creating a discomfort that we thought we needed to get away from rather than recognize was an accurate assessment of the discomfort we were creating in our thinking. So our discussion is not about stopping anything. Our thoughtful focus is on what we are actually doing, right or wrong. It's on what we're doing. There's no conflict in things as they are, none. They're interacting all the time with all things that are interactive. Interreaction is a choice because now I'm deciding I'm going to fight something not have it as it is, and think my thinking about it will become what it is and wonder why I struggle and strain under that weight. The disillusion, literally the dissolving of triggering the fight of the addictive cycle, frees us from the imagined condemnation. So that peace, rather than disturbance, becomes the nature of our decisions and our choices. Consideration and compassion becomes natural. Because that's responsibility rather than reactivity, rather than a numbing reactiveness, fight, 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 fight of some old idea that we're going to automatically take charge and try to think we're going to win the war. And Bill talks about this quite clearly. The disturbing nature of reactiveness fights for more conflict, always. Thinks it's going to win. Thinks it's going to win. Thinks it's going to win. win. It's like a lie, thinks it's going to be true. It's going to come true. It's going to be, fantasy is going to be reality someday, somehow, some way. I can't prove that it's not out there. So I'm going to keep banking on out there while I'm suffering now here. There is no out there. There is no then. And the then is going to be a consequence of everything we do now. It's going to be the compilation of all the things we're doing now that we end up facing then, whenever that then is, is going to be the present to see things as they are. Despite what we think, melts the compelling urge to restart what we only imagine we struggle to stop. Just melts, it dissipates, it dissolves. It's exactly what page, I think it's 85 at the top. Bill Wilson talks about neutrality, talks about the problem not existing for us anymore. It's taken away, it's gone. Period. Why would that be if it ever had any real existence? Things that exist in reality don't disappear. They just change form. This is an imagined state of mind that is insane to imagine as true and real. That's what insanity is about, seeing and hearing things that aren't happening. And when we're talking to ourselves, we are talking to a voice and creating voices, I think, in a, 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 I suspect, are attached to every one of those thoughts we're maintaining. We have a different voice in all of them and have a cacophony of voices going on in our head, having a conversation. Who are we having a conversation with when I say I am talking to myself? I'm clearly identifying a split personality. If, once this is realized, for any reason seemingly compelling enough to choose to restart the reactive cycle, the impression that it is all we can do, will quickly fade, especially once we begin to realize what it is. We always know better, we've always known better than to only think that what is worse is our only choice. Speaking openly and honestly is the chance to see that what we share in the present confirms our shared presence to start to notice that people are saying things that may be repulsive, may be hard to hear, may be difficult, but you can see that in the saying of it, there's a connective tissue there. There's a connective either responsiveness or reactiveness. And neither of those things are better or worse. If they're happening, they're happening. And that they're happening, rather than what the hell is happening, is a lot more certain than trying to answer the second question. If we share what is absolute absolutely, then seeing wrong only varies in the incorrect ideas we maintain. Otherwise, we're sharing the exact same basis. We function in the same way, we dysfunction in the same way. We just put different faces, places, and times to it. Our functional capacity and any dysfunctional tendencies occur on the same basis. Exactly a repeat of what I just said. Talking openly allows this to be seen clearly. Thinking otherwise impacts only our experience of what we think, since we are of reality and truth. And that does not change no matter what we think. So beginning to simply decide, one of my large transitions was just realizing I'm awake, I'm aware, and I know. And I have a greater sense of knowing and I have a greater sense of awareness than I think I have especially when I'm thinking about my thinking. Because anything that is limited evaporates immediately in anything that is boundless. So if I keep trying to make those ideas bigger, I'm trying to get to a place that I'm already in by thinking the ideas I am, that the ideas are all I am. And I need to get them to that place. We're always in the present. We're always where that abundance is. We are always here now. And spirit isn't here now because spirit isn't in a spatially bound realm. Our bodies are here now. Our human experience is here now. Our capacity to function on a level with each other that is born of abundance and love and life and light and brilliance that allows the dark shadows, the, the shadows that we cast, the doubt shadows of doubt that we cast to disappear because we're looking from that abundance rather than at the darkness as as an identifying feature of something we're going to control, we're going to overcome, we're going to deal with, and I'm going to get better. For as long as I think it's something I need to do to get to where that ultimate source is, I think I am in charge of denying that source and that it is possible for me to do that. And I would suggest that's impossible because something infinite can't just go away because I think it isn't there any more than playing peekaboo as a kid had people actually disappear when they covered their face. But we seem to get a pretty good kick out of it when they return. We obviously were so, sort of mistaking what was going on in, in that little game that's played. It seemed fun then when we actually face ourselves now. It's not always that fun. It takes a minute to start to recognize that I spent a lifetime denying what I was doing thinking that my denial was the management of those things and my ability to keep them from open the open air and the, the, the light was actually a goal. And it nearly killed me on multiple occasions. So I would rather be here for the time that is allowed and express these things in ways that are certainly possible to an audience of people interested in that sort of conversation. And I will also remind everyone that the decision to get sober happens alone. The decision to stay sober happens together. And that sobering is not just limited to recovery from a symptom like a substance. Because the ultimate disease is the lack of substance in thinking, thinking it has substance. A lie, but making believe it's true, is the is the chance to make believe that a lie has substance. That's the ultimate substance abuse. That's the core of the disease. That's what we're talking about. And I don't suspect, while this has been talked about in some ways, that this has been talked about in this way very often or often enough for me to have heard it before. So what we're doing may not be new, but amongst the people we're doing it, it's new in the sense that it's always that we're always here, it's always present, we're always in a new realm of possibility. We're always able to redecide, re-choose. We're always able to think again, always. We're always free to do that. To think we're not is where addiction starts to step in. Because that's a lie. Choice always allows, allows not to be chosen. But it does require our participation if we're interested in getting better as humans. The choice we make. Is not what you hear. It's not what I say. It's not what's said during the discussion. It's what you do with it. It's what you choose. It's what you decide about it that's going to cause the impact. Look at the impacts that are made and question yourself as to whether or not they're providing a sense of peace or a percent sense of disturbance. And if you can begin to notice the difference, you'll begin to see that the disturbance is not being hoisted on you by some hateful God or some hateful enemy. It's a result of the thinking you're doing that's wrong, period. And as you see that, that thinking will begin to dissipate and dissolve. And I mean gone, like fog when the sun hits it. It just evaporates. Good morning. Every day. Every moment.